Do you guys know that there's somebody named Seaman Hitler? <clears throat> Pardon? Real dude. He was a Russian soldier in World oh. War II. Imagine being that guy. Seaman yeah. Hitler. Oh my. Hey everyone, welcome to an all new episode of Filmhouse. This week we're talking about Hereditary and some other fun stuff. This episode is brought to you by Mac Weldon. You can, uh... You can hear more about them later in the show, but uh, basically you're going to get 20% off by using the promo code FILM. We'll be talking about that at the end. Today I'm joined by Lawrence Sontag. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm spooked. James, how are you? I'm pretty well. Feeling oh. a little like I hate birds. And Elise Willems. Uh, we're not uh, we're not talking in Ethiopian today. Everyone in the theater did that every time. So did everyone have that happen too? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was fun. Like, it, I think it hits on something when every hmm. when you get that sort of clap response thing going on. But. Uh, it is weird. So uh, everyone in this room has seen this film, Hereditary. Some of us, at least, have seen it twice. And we can't stop talking about it. So much so that we, in, instead of seeing Jurassic World, uh, a movie that I don't think any one of us are really excited about, oh. we thought we'd talk about a movie that uh, I believe got us pretty excited to watch movies. So that's pretty cool. It's going to have legs. People are going to be talking about this movie for weeks still. I hope so. You think? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I hope so. Um, real quick, James, mm. what is the story of Hereditary to get people interested? Thank you for asking me, Adam, as I've seen it once. Uh, <laughs> the story of Hereditary is a mother, uh, a mother's mother dies. <laughs> It's Tony the story Col of a mother, all right? Tony Collette plays a mother of this Annie. family. Her name's Annie. Annie, and then her mother, Ellen, dies. Um, and at the, we, we greet them at the beginning when they're kind of in mourning. Mm -hmm. um, and along the way, you find out that Tony Collette has had to deal with kind of mental issues as her mother got older and then with her family growing up. And then it starts to – she even has a daughter who's kind of got some weird quirks to her. Um, but then she has a relatively normal husband and a relatively normal son. Um, but the whole family is kind of stressed over the mourning of this this woman who uh, was both a stranger and a and very close part of all of their lives. It's like a mourning and a lack mm -hmm. of mourning because of their their strained relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then personal trauma is compounded by more personal trauma, which is compounded by more personal trauma. And so on and so forth. Just kind of, it just spirals out from there. So thank you for that, James. You're I think that is enough information that we can give. We'll we'll dive into spoilers. I think a little bit later. Maybe we'll throw a time code down here just so you, uh, for those who want to be completely spoiled. But um, I'm actually curious what you, how you guys would describe the film as dictated by the marketing. As dictated by the marketing. I mean, how, who everyone here saw the trailer. Right? The marketing yeah. was pretty accurate, I'd say. Do yeah. you? I, I thought it was misleading. You think so? I think so. Uh, like, what what do you think the movie's about based on like the trailers that you guys have seen? So, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, I, was, I would say based on the trailers, it's it's difficult to piece together because it is a lot of fractured imagery. That's just horrific imagery. But I would say on a base level, you would see the really scary kid played by Millie Shapiro, and she's creepy, and you would see her, and you would think. This is a story about a child possession, maybe. Hmm. Um, I know Ari Aster said, who's the, the director, writer, he said he didn't have any involvement in cutting the trailers. Mm -hmm. He knew that A24 handled that, and he knew that he wanted them to avoid spoilers because there are some major spoilers that the trailers could have potentially gotten to. One, actually, that was kind of spoiled for me. Um, but I'll... 
I'll talk about that later. But sure. uh, he said that he was actually really happy with how they cut the trailers and felt like they did a really good job, did justice and due diligence of not spoiling anything. It, I mean, the trailers are cut to make you believe that it is a horror movie. The problem is people have kind of horror has tra- like transformed over time and it goes through different phases for a long time. We were in the Saw era of horror mm. where it was all about graphic imagery and na- and then it kind of moved out around uh, sinister and um, what insidious. Those movies kind of PG moved thirteen haunted house type into movies. these haunted house <laughs> very thing. And and I think these this movie and then also another A twenty four film, which I'm sure we'll discuss at least uh, tangentially, The Witch. Mm. are now looping it back around in. It still falls under horror. Thus, I think that the trailer telling you it's a horror movie is accurate. Yeah, there's there's been a weird a weird discussion that, at least you were saying, kind of almost is cyclical, where when good horror movies start to come out, people don't want to call them horror anymore because they're used to schlock. It's like yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Like, when it's good, they call it suspense. Mm-hmm. They for equate some horror to, like, a slasher film mm-hmm. or just a traditional, like, ghost or monster story. But to me, this is an exercise in dread. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. More so, and and there are there's genuinely horrific imagery in it that I think qualifies as like actual horror, but not maybe in the sense that people are looking for to go in like a, like you said a sinister. I think because this this film actually got like a D plus or minus on Cinema Score from what? the audience, mm. Fuck that. which the critics are all like it's amazing. Yeah. Hmm. I mean then, it's not a popcorn film. It's not a. I mean it could be I, a date movie provided you want to talk about it after, but it's not yeah. a series of cheap thrills. And I think that's what people were expecting. And like, I have I actually like I I was reading this Ari Aster AM, uh, AMA, and he spoke to that and he was kind of said that he knew he was crafting a slow burn. And uh, he doesn't get the nothing happens argument, which is a lot of what he was seeing in the cinema score stuff. Uneducated. Um, I can only see that if people, if you're too young to read any emotional subtext in anything, you might, oh, it's just a bunch of people talking. Like, where's somebody stabbing someone? I, I could see somebody being basic enough to say that. Yeah. But that's wrong. You're wrong. So I think it is safe to say that horror can be whatever you want it to be, as long as your intention as a creator is to call something horror. That's what you're going for. And I'm pretty sure that's what they went with this because it is horrific imagery and is a horrific story that's being told. But uh, to like, I think what Elise was saying, I thought it was a demon possession, like, uh, or like a, a weird sort of like th- this little girl's going to be the evil one throughout the whole movie. And what I thought was cool was the marketing threw me off in a way such that I was, I was like, I gasped in the theater, which I never do on the flip side. There's Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, or whatever coming out this week, and they already spoiled the whole goddamn movie. Yeah. <laughs> that, the, well, the, that is a popcorn movie. That sure. Because they don't have any, they don't have anything to give you other than <laughs> what you're going to see in the trailer. I mean, I haven't seen Jurassic World, but I mean, they want to just show you the things that you're going to see it, and the things that you're going that's going to get you to pay for a ticket. I was, I was telling this to Don. Uh, the only way Jurassic World will win me over is if at the very end it truly does become a Jurassic world. <laughs> and it is a zombie-like apocalypse. The camera pulls all the way out, and you yeah. just hear, yeah, Exactly, yeah, it's, it's a it's what T-Rex on top of the White House. Space. Yeah. Sure. I, I think like Chris Pratt would have to get wholly devoured by a, na- a dinosaur, like Hook in, mm-hmm. in Hook, when the <laughs> crocodile clock falls mm-hmm. on, on him. Hook, yes. That would be the only way that I would be like, wow, this I, movie I just, flipped it. Well, when the first trailer <laughs> came out, it was, we gotta go back to the island. We gotta save the dinosaurs. There's a thing, I'm like, okay, well, there's something there. And they couldn't wait. And so that second trailer came out and they said, 
tricked you. And there's even the part Bryce tells her, goes, they lied to us. It was a twist. And I was like, <laughs> why? Why? And then that, that's why I just I give Hereditary so much credit because they could have done that so many times or they could have just spoiled the whole movie. Mm. But they held certain parts back that I was genuinely surprised watching the movie. And it was I feel like I don't I don't get that a lot. And I try to avoid trailers. But the way we see films, I feel like you can't get away from that sometimes. There's, they're forced in front of you. I can recite that uh, Mission Impossible Fallout trailer back and forth. Mm-hmm. It, it's easy. Mm-hmm. You can see movies a lot, yeah. They'll bite mm-hmm. out. Oh. I, th- I think the core of it is, and this may be me overthinking everything, but horror movies are fascinating based on where they draw their horror from, and that requires an amount of empathy from the audience. Something like Jurassic World, a big scary monster is going to eat you. That's like some caveman stuff. Mm-hmm. Everyone is afraid of that on some level. Heredity is about like stress and guilt and sorrow and all sorts of like complicated human emotions that it actually brings out very well. And if you've ever had glancing uh, interactions with any of that stuff, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. And the, the, way it, the way it sort of plays on, this isn't really spoiler territory, but I have my own interpretation of the movie. And the way it plays out on like parents suffering from their parents, but then passing that on to their kids. You know, Hereditary is the name of the movie, obviously, mm-hmm. so that's a pretty common theme. The way it plays on that, and especially regards to what it could be considered an analog for mental illness, is one of the most, like, nuanced and powerful emotions that I've seen a movie, like, really capture and amp up in a horror way. And that's much more interesting, maybe for people that want something a little more nuanced than a dinosaur is going to eat you, to play <laughs> within a movie. And it actually did it really well, and I can't give it enough credit for that. Okay. Well, we, we've reached about 10 minutes, so I think we've, we've stroked the movie's... Mm-hmm. Uh, Indie cock enough mm-hmm. that I think if you need a if you're on the fence you should probably go see this movie that's our recommendation. Uh, we're just gonna barrel right into spoilers now for those who have seen the movie, uh, so we can have a more open discussion. So uh, that's your final warning. Get out of here. Uh, use that Mac Weldon code <laughs> and uh, help support the show. So we'll see you guys later, uh, and then uh, come back and listen to us of this podcast after you see the movie. So here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. That's it. Hey, let's talk about it. Satan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, him? Adam, you're not wrong. Because Ari Aster, he said uh, that when he was pitching the movie, he said it's a story about a long-lived possession ritual ritual told from the perspective of the sacrificial lamb. So it's about possession. It's a possession story. They tell us that in the movie. It starts with, you know, the daughter being inhabited. She's the the conduit Mm -hmm. for for payment. payment. And then it gets transferred. That's a real thing, by the way. Like yeah. You can dig out wiki articles on like the 10 generals of Satan. Yeah. Cool. I went in there. I, I, I started going down that little rabbit hole. And it's funny because all the terms that you have for the devil are all different kings that all different represent different facets of what gets you into hell, mm-hmm. as I didn't realize. Like hmm. Beelzebub is oh, one. So Satan is one. Seven deadly sins Lucifer is. These are all different. These are all different kings of hell. Cool. They're not yeah. all just different names for the same. Same thing. Jeff Sessions. But like one represents <laughs> one represents greed. Yeah, the other represents the Justice Department. You know, like different things like that. Um, which so, I, it was just fun. I love when movies give me a little taste of that. I'm like, I'm gonna dig up one this summer. Okay. Well, I, I like to Adam's point. It's like it is a story about a possessed kid, like Charlie, who's imbued with the mm-hmm. spirit of this this devil when she's born. You know, her grandmother doing this ritual to to pass it into her. But then I guess it just it's not, it's not really about her though. It's, it's about the the possessor. Like it's about it, it is it's about it, the person caught in the middle who wants the best for everyone but is being dogged by something they can't explain and can't understand. Yeah, I mean, but, it's, I mean not, it's not about the daughter. I mean, like well, the, the daughter, the daughter was just a conduit until the spirit can be moved to a male host. Right, and this is 
I, I guess going taking a huge step back. What I loved about this movie is all the way up to the end, I was second guessing everything that was happening hmm. because they set up this plot line yeah. of mental illness. Yes, uh-huh. yes. And, which is brilliant. And, and Jess specifically this, DID. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and there's this. It's one of those brilliant moments, and this is why it makes more more sense to me now. Why at least saw it twice because you do pick up on these things a second time. Mm-hmm. There, there's the moment where uh, the the mother is at a a. a grief council meeting. He's talking about my brother committed suicide at 16 because my mom wanted to put bodies inside of him, yeah. uh, you know, people inside of him. And then like, I, I didn't get it though, but my mom was crazy and she left these weird notes and stuff. And you're like, I like, kept oh her away from my son. Yeah. But then she I got her hooks I, into my daughter. I let, her, I let her get her hooks into my daughter. But then you can interpret that as like the, how yeah. she and, fed and into And you the, think like, oh, Annie, it's hereditary because this family has a history of mental illness. Mm-hmm. It's like, but no, like Adam, I'm sure you were going to say as they laid it all out for you, the, these, this possession ritual was real. And you know what blew my mind, Adam, the second time I saw it? What's that, Elise? Joan's son and her grandson dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were trying to, there was rather attempts trying yep, yep. to put. But it has this, to be tied to the bloodline of uh, the grandmother. It, it's so, it's and like she, she talks so about good. too how my, she's like, my father died before I was born. And you're like, oh God, like. There's all these like real subtle drops, these weird subtle hints. The movie is also subtlety is the name of the game with this movie, and that's what one of its huge, huge strengths. But like one of my favorite things is how it bombards you with a lot within the first 15 minutes. Yeah. It gives you basically everything, mm-hmm. and then it backs away and distracts you with other events, other major cataclysmic events, which I guess we can talk about. But break like, into it. Yeah. I, I mean, I spent probably 50 minutes of the movie going. What was the fucking deal with that weird guy at the funeral? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smiling at the little girl. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's his deal? And I was like, are they going to touch? And of course they do. Mm-hmm. But like, that's a piece that like, when it happens, you're like, oh, that's a moment. It wants me to remember this. But then it does everything it can to try and get you to forget it yeah. until it comes, until it's important again. And he was that's, smiling at payment. That's good <laughs> filmmaking. Yeah. That's how you lay that shit out. Absolutely. And that's, I think what I love about this movie is I think a lot of, uh, creators like self-professed auteurs they go they lay out their story and then they don't give you any definitive explanations because they're like well it's all it's however you interpret it you're like damon lindelos but ari aster he like he answers for stuff like he he is responding and he's especially in that red that like reddit ama is great like like people were like who dug up the grandma and mm-hmm. he said the cultists dug her up. The yes. grandma, the grandma said to mm-hmm. dig her up. Is and like he's he's going out there and he's he's like actually like saying yeah. you know this. Is, he's not saying like, so, oh, I'll create this mystery box and then I'm just going to leave it. He, did, I really love when creators like give intent to their work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love that. Has has anyone addressed or has he addressed? The fact that the ending, <laughs> they reshot the ending. Oh, was there um, an original ending? I guess to, to audience response, I don't know. I didn't see anything because I, 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 I only know that they reshot the ending to make it more definitive because the audience didn't like it or whatever, but I didn't know what the ending was before. Hmm. That's interesting you bring that up because the ending reminded me a lot of The Witch, both, to, both in the way that, oh. like, hmm. There's a point at which it could have gone two ways, and it very definitively went into the like, no, this was all real, and it was all what the fuck. Anyway, I'll tell you in a bit. This is um, another one of his shorts. Oh, I see. Yeah, uh, and it, yeah, there, there's even a part in The Witch where it fades to black, and I remember being in the theater, being like, please end, just roll credits now, and yeah. then it fades back up. She goes into the woods and is a witch. I know exactly like, what you're talking about. Yeah, so, I, I felt like there was a little too movie. much explanation at the end, like when the when the spirit floated over butt, him. You probably could have ended it there. It's it's crazy how everybody's. I get why everyone's drawing. Uh, 
connections to the witch because it's like this family that's sort of marred by tragedy, marred by like the death of a child, and then that sort of yeah. breeds this like suspicion and paranoia among them, and and you're unsure about what's happening and and who is actually who's who is actually like you know we're we're following like the young girl and the witch, but it's like maybe she is a witch. Like you don't you don't know as the audience whether she's reliable or not. Um, you don't know that about Annie either. Um, I which I, I was so glad that that Annie was reliable because when she's having the conversation with Steve below the attic and that starts, and Steve starts to question her and Steve's like, you dug up your mother's grave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Annie's like, no, like, please just listen to me. And you think he's gonna drag her off and try to get her committed. And but it's you a as whole an audience thing. member don't know where to go. You're like, yeah. who do I side with? What is real? I don't well, know, because they planted the seed of she might be crazy. Yeah. Well, also, I think they, they went the more interesting route, which is like genuine dramatic tension as opposed to, I think, a lot of other movies, which would, may have had her seen something in the closet, and then he goes to look, and he's like, there's nothing there. He saw the body in the like, attic. Yeah, but it's like, it's like, wait, hold on. How did that happen in the time? Why would, anytime you start thinking that the people on screen are stupider than you, it's harder to get in with these movies. But when people have justifiable excuses, like, honestly, when, when the kid's driving home after the party, like, all that is handled v- extremely well. Um... And he couldn't have known what was going to happen with her eating the cake. But then as soon as it did happen and he knew what was going on, he took immediate action and he tried to fix it in a way that I think, like, it's some, it's like you're watching a young kid make a genuine stupid mistake resulting in just tragedy. Mm-hmm. You're like, this fucking shit happens every day and it's handled so well. And then when you use a real moment like that to push a, not absurd, but an unrealistic dramatic narrative... That's that's the most effective way to do it, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. You you segue from a real life experience into the supernatural, but you use the supernatural as a means to amplify that real experience, and thus you maintain a connection with the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, Get Out did very similar things in the way it used kind of nod and a wink, uh, light racism to amplify having your body taken over and losing your identity. Mm-hmm. Like those, those two sensations are very similar, mm-hmm. or at least as the movie lays it out. The, the issue right now, there was an article that uh, the BBC wrote um, that started a discussion, which was on Reddit. <sighs> oh, no. That's hot. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> this whole short, by the way, we're watching right now, uh, for audio listeners, we're watching one of the short films from uh, the director, Ari this Aster. This is a nightmare to watch. It's called The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. This is one of the most horrific things uh. I've ever seen. Uh, it's a 30-minute short film on Vimeo. When he Please was smiling at that kid. Up. I was like, "Oh boy, that's a pedo right there." Well, it's not a pedo. Ooh, the no. kid was Reverse masturbating pedo. to his dad. Yeah, I know. It's it this. I really like this director now. I am super on board with him. Well, Adam, his next movie, <laughs> uh, his next movie is called Midsummer, and it's about. Uh, it starts with too. a breakup. Hot shit. It's about and then what? It, it starts with a breakup. Is like <laughs> the origin point, and then it's a horror movie. So take that for what I, you will. That's fine. I'm down with that. Um, um, but back, back to the Get Out thing and BBC. And there, there, there's this discussion now about oh dear. elevated horror. Why did it flash forward? I'm scared. <laughs> You'll see. He wants to bone his old dad? Uh, Get in there. Oh, he, he found a woman that looks like his dad. Never mind. No, don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, there's this discussion about should is uh, is hereditary, oh, is Get Out. Are these, no are these things what we like to call elevated horror, which is sort of a pretentious way of saying it's a horror film that didn't have jump scares. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I felt. Even Get Out had kind of a jump scare. Mm. Yeah. It feels more like a Rosemary's Baby. Oh. Sure, yeah. Then. Or a David Lynch who, no, I don't think anyone would ever call a David Lynch film a uh, horror, but they, there are definitely horror elements. There, I, I had this discussion um, back with a film teacher years ago where he talked about uh, Blue Velvet 
and there's the scene. Uh, Blue Velvet's like, it, it, man, when they're in the car and they go into like the crazy Dennis Hopper hideout. That's that shit the scene. is scary. Well, he talks about it. He says, you know, there's it's the part, the gas. there's the part, fuck me. there's the part in Blue Velvet where they go for a ride, and he's like, uh-huh. and he's like, if you've ever been on the ride, you know how fucking scary that is. And I feel like Get Out and Hereditary, those are just the two movies that I'm picking right now. Touch on those moments where we can, we can sort of relate. Where we go, oh, God, I remember being a teenager and fucking up and just being in awe or, like, getting high for the first time and not really, like, and just having a major fuck up not knowing what to do. Or you're in an awkward family situation. And David Lynch hit on those things really well. Hmm. Um, so I think that's I, – I, what I, I, I wouldn't call what you're watching right now elevated horror. I would just call it good filmmaking. Yeah. And I think you're allowed to call it that. I, I think movies are allowed to do what they want to do, but – don't don't sit there and think you're better than someone else because you got something more out of out of a movie that was that spooked you. I guess I get what they're get, what they're there has it has been a while since there have been horror movies that touch on like societal topics because of the industrialization of horror is kind of what you mentioned like a saw every year and mm-hmm. it's not about anything or a final destination like those movies are fun. They're just remakes of themselves though. Kinda they yeah. they don't derive their terror from. An interesting place. Mm-hmm. But, like, you, you could argue that Romero's earlier films, and it's been thrown around a lot, but it's meant to represent, like, the hyper-consumption of American society. And sure. When it started, it was about something, but then people just sort of boiled it down to its core elements and then took that on. I'm sure uh, Nightmare on Elm Street probably had significance in the early 80s, but I don't, I don't know what it might be. Yeah. I wasn't alive then, so I can't really speak to that experience. I watched this and I thought, yeah. I, I will never have to watch this again. Yeah. You <laughs> sure you don't want to watch it again? Ooh, 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 get in there. Oh, God. Oh, he's I'm, so excited. I, I apologize, audio listeners, but there's a, a very disturbing scene taking <laughs> place. Smile on my right face. Now. And that's I think, my face. I think smile that's and optimism like gone. This, this, uh, the, the kind of work that Ari Aster seems years. to make is like built on disruption. It's built on um, taking an <laughs> idyllic picture and just sort of like flipping it on its head and then mm. the, the spiral, the spiral away from that. And uh, it, it's, it's cool that we're seeing the miniature right now, the dollhouses, because the dollhouses are really cool in that he, because uh, I, was, I, was, I was like, the dollhouses are just sort of, it's her facet of her job, and they make some, for some really great scary imagery, but like, how does he connect them to his themes of the movie? And he specifically said that the, to him, the dollhouses are reflective of the fact that the family in this movie are dolls in this house. Like, they have no agency. Well, if you look at Even, the cinematography, too, all yeah. the shots are very dollhouse-like. It's all perspective lines into a flat wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speci- and it's so smart. Specifically, they have no agency, though. So they are pawns to... Th- there's nothing they can do to change their situation, just like her manipulating the dolls in her sets. There's wow. there's nothing those dolls can do, and there's nothing that she and her family can do. They're on this trajectory, um, and which is, is caused by these demons. So, like, Payman... And and the cultists, like they've set them on this trajectory. There's no turning around. That's why when when Steve goes up in flames, it's like, well, why would Steve go up in flames? He's the, you know, she's making the sacrifice. But it's like, well, no, Payman's a trickster. He's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to set Steve up in flames. Mm-hmm. Which actually, that's the only part of the movie that got, that got spoiled for me because mm-hmm. I watched that movie so many times. With the and, and Steve goes up in the trailer. Uh, so when she was throwing in the fireplace, I was like... That's the same shot. I see. It's, yeah. it's the shot. I honestly so, forgot like, about it at that point because I was so invested in the film and they do set up this... What I, Yeah, you're right. Payment is this uh, trickster god. Think of like a Loki type. And he fucks with you, the audience, because they set up this rule early on where she goes, uh, my daughter's in this book. This is the one thing that is the connection when in reality this demon lord is inside the book. He has found his way in there. And she tries to burn it, and then she she catches on fire herself. Yeah. 
And so they set up this rule, except it's not an actual rule because it's just this guy fucking with you, or this demon lord, whatever, yeah. fucking with you. So then it, the, the whole – I was reading into that point. The whole thing was payment could only possess someone once they are at their, their low point, right, their most vulnerable. And so the setup was she needed to feel the guilt of killing her own husband hmm. so that he could take her oh. over. And there's even another thing where they said, oh, he can't. He can't possess another body until the head is removed. Okay. Hence the the daughter removing mm-hmm. her own head. I was and curious then, about that. And then okay. the mother chop, chopping off her own head. And I was like, those are just little things that they're not necessarily they're, – they're not explained to you. They're not – they don't spoon feed it to you. But when you go back and look at it, you go, wow, what a great film. What a, what a great detail. Well, what when, a bunch of smart filmmakers. When Charlie's like making her little miniatures, they're all like weird, creepy – Shit, they almost seem like an altar to him. They're, one of the most interesting things I read him say was Ari Aster was that before he wrote it, the first two images images he built it around were Charlie's head being knocked off by the telephone phone pole, and Annie levitating and doing that like head saw ah, thing. So it was like those two head related decapitation mm-hmm. moments that he was like, "I'm gonna build or build this movie around," which I thought was like super cool. Yeah. Um, now that you guys are talking about theme, it's it's clicking in because I, I was puzzling in my head, but. It's all super unified, which is amazing. I love that they use the classroom scenes for the teacher to suggest to you what the themes of the movie are, which is to me like fourth dimensionally awesome. But they're talking about how uh, is it more or less tragic to not have any volition in a, a tragic t- story. And to me, that, that speaks to the literal plot of demon possession, but also speaks to the subtext of mental illness. If you have a child, and, and this goes back to like one of the worst and most terrifying discussions where she tells her son, like, I tried not to have you. Um, and, and I've spoken to parents who have passed mental illness on to a kid and have received it from their parents. And there's a particular, especially when the mom's yelling about how no one is taking uh, responsibility because no one is there to take responsibility except maybe a trickster god who's just doing it to fuck with you. But there's such a dread and terror about knowing that you have a thing that you hate about yourself or makes you sad and then passing it on to someone that you love and seeing them suffer from it too and being powerless to help them. Like, you know what's going to happen, but you can't stop it. Is it, is it like a self-fulfilling prophecy, though? It's like, yeah. this is going to happen because it's going to happen, even though, as it's dictated in the movie, there is no mental illness. Well, I, well but it's, it's a analog. metaphor, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, in real life, there's no payment, but there is mental illness. And I, I think yeah. that kind of stems to the whole genre switch that we're, gonna, we're probably going to see. Again, I think that we're in the... We're in prime time now. This shit is this. These <laughs> the witch is is really good. This movie's it's great. It's the horror auteur, like, I think. We're gonna totally. get into the Get Out is fucking fantastic. <laughs> I've heard Upgrade is another one of those. Yeah, I, 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 I still need to see but that. I heard that's is, really hard to watch. Once too. people realize that this is these movies, you can make them for ten million, and you can make eighty. Like once <laughs> once people get on that train, this is all we're gonna see. So we should appreciate it now. Again, the first Saw is an incredible movie. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great. It's so good. And it, it just happened that it tapped into something that people were like, let's all just re- re- recreate this. And then you got copies of copies of copies of copies of copies that aren't right. as good. But I think what's so cool about these is that they pick something. They basically decided, you know what's scarier than Jason or a machine that rips your jaw off? Because arguably none of us are going to get killed by a... Uh, eight-foot-tall slasher, and none of us are going to get kidnapped and then put into a a horrible torture device. Actual real-world problems. Racism is really scary. Mental illness is really, really scary. You know, like... Living with the horror of what you've done and can't reverse is very scary, too. 
uh, in in terms of the witch, Adam. just <laughs> surviving, surviving is horrifying. Well, and being paranoid yeah. of like the everything. people, being paranoid of people that you should trust the most. They got kicked is out really of the scary. village because of his beliefs, and yeah. Then, yeah, the way that people left in isolation turn on each other is terrifying. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for a horror movie about like a crew in the 1800s, and it's like a slow mutiny. Like you, you're the captain, and you can tell your crew wants to murder you. But there's nothing you can do, and you're on a boat surrounded by water. So great. Yeah, um, I haven't watched um, the Dan Simmons. They made a miniseries. I forget what the book's called. Oh, the one where they're on the boat. Yeah, they're, I, or they're in the they're trapped in the ice. I meant to read the book for He's so long, the and now the there's the mini. The, yeah. the, the is it the horror? Heard it. I don't. I, I heard it was pretty good. So yeah, that's also something yeah, I, worth checking out. Uh, at this point, I was like, oh, I'll just watch it because I've mm-hmm. had that book on my wish list for years, and it's never going to happen. Um, a but, similar movie where I think they did find a they found a pretty good balance is The Mist, not oh. the show, uh, the movie, mm-hmm. only because there are literal monsters outside, but the real horror happens inside the supermarket, where there are two div- two sides divided. There's the we're gonna bunker down, we're gonna we're gonna be safe, it's gonna be fine, and then there's the one crazy religious zealot, and it flips to it flips from one side to the other. And it, it gets to a point where they're actually sacrificing people to the monsters in the hope that they will be let go. And, like, that's the true horror of that movie, not the creepy monsters outside. They're just the people around side. you turning on you. Yeah. Walking that, Dead. That's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. There's a supernatural element that draws out the darkest parts of actual humanity, and that's the mm-hmm. real terror. Is the, the idea. Sorry, James, you were about to say something. No, no, I just, I just think that's that's the interesting. That's why these movies are so compelling, and I think that's why, despite a D minus or whatever cinema score, that's they're cool. doing well and they're resonating, is because they're tapped into real things, mm-hmm. real things. For us to sit here, it's easy to go, oh, this is scary. But there's people that live in these situations and go, oh no, my life is way scarier. Mm. You should make a movie about that, and that's what mm-hmm. these filmmakers are kind of doing, in yeah. a sense. Yeah, it's um, horror that's not for teenagers anymore, which is you know I mean, there's still that, a place it's, for that. It's just it's just it's and it, this isn't the first time we've gotten to these. Yeah. Like yeah. Rosemary's Baby, Suspiria. Like the, there's a time in the '70s before you had budget and special effects and things like that. Psycho, you, really? Psycho, like mm. where you were making you were making horror that was terrifying because it tapped into something that was a societal metaphor as well, opposed to something Labyrinth. that was visually disturbing or shocking. You know, I would argue even the original Halloween. Uh, relies very little on special effects. There's almost no blood in the movie, and the killer is almost never seen. Yeah. And that, and what bothers me about that franchise, the same thing that bothers me about the Jurassic uh, Park and now World franchise, and even Terminator and RoboCop, all these other things, and Aliens, I think uh, producers and even audience members look at something that is cool and unique, and then they boil down to his essence of why they like it, and they make it very binary. So Jurassic Park, it's things go wrong. Dinosaurs eat people. When in fact, it's like, it's never really a, it wasn't really about that. That was just sort of a side effect of the, the bigger story, which was, Ambition. Is, isn't it fucking cool we brought dinosaurs back? Because the, yeah. the first time you actually see the dinosaurs, not the, the raptor scene in the beginning, but you see the, all the brontosaurus, right? And it's majestic. And it's, it's like, wow, what, look what we've done. This is amazing. But then they go, oh, we also brought in the killer dinosaurs too. And you go, Okay, well, interesting. We're, we're, we're tempting fate here, but yeah, was, yeah, let's it's, see what happens. It's the dark side of a great idea, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and it was the, what I what I hate is that they've taken a franchise like Jurassic Park and they distilled it down into uh, dinosaurs are monsters. But what if one of them's a good guy and, uh-huh. and we can train? Yeah. I was like, this is so fucking dumb. Like, I'm 
sorry, people who worked really hard on this movie franchise and people who we love it. We haven't seen it yet. It might be good. Uh, like, reviews it, are not great. Oh, surprise, surprise! Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, regardless of, like, what a, a good metaphor this might be for mental illness, I was so glad that it still played it supernatural and reversed your expectation that that it's all in her head that she dug up. Like, because you, you think, like, oh... If dissociative identity disorder runs in her family and her mother, you know, and her brother were plagued like by these illnesses, is that what's happening to her? Did her daughter, you know, possibly like, but I was so happy that it flipped every expectation yeah, you might I, have of that. I think to seal the deal, I mean, it, it seems to me it's more effective when you don't villainize the thing that you're trying to draw a parallel sure, between, yeah. right? Like, so if you were like, look at the oh. dangers of this mental illness, mm. right? Then it's like, you've kind of, like you've raised awareness and then you've also kind of villainized, yeah. but they, that's not the villain. It's not their fault. You know, it's it's mm. it's something else. And, and the only thing you can do is you can ask for help if you want to draw in those conclusions. And I think that's the most effective like way. Like split is kind of the opposite of that, where it's it's someone with, you yeah. know. Yeah, they're pretty, pretty, pretty and, much. And it's, yeah. it's being a consumed good by. comparison, though, too. And I, I think, but even Split, though, Split goes beyond. So it's not just someone with multiple personalities and stuff like that. Yeah. It, at, the cer- at a certain point in the movie, not to spoil Split, heads up, we're going to spoil Split. That's <laughs> even older than this one. But should be okay. he does change. There is a, like an actual thing that happens that seems supernatural yeah. by the end of that movie, which even then kind of pulls it back and go, oh, it's just not it's not a crazy person walking around, mm. someone who didn't get help. It's someone who is actually afflicted with something that be, is beyond this world. Mm-hmm. Um, it just happens to also resemble and this now a lot. Mr. Glass got to step in. Yeah. He got to be good guy now, team up with <laughs> uh, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the was, it, was he guard? What was like his superhero name? Legion. Legion, yeah. Oh, Bruce yeah. Willis's name? It? No, James. No, I know, but like I don't think they ever gave him Bruce, a name. Yeah, I didn't think so. I was trying to think about that. Wasn't he like was it Legion? Bald man. No, no, no. wasn't James? James? James McAvoy's James Legion. Legion. But then, yeah, wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. What's Bruce Willis's Legion, superhero Glass, name? Yeah, I, th- I thought he was like guard or security or something the like that. The Watcher. I don't know. Something I think like it might have been The Watcher. Train Man. Tip top. <laughs> man on Choo Choo Boy. Um, but yeah, so those three films are there actually talking about Get Out, Hereditary, and um, Split. Those are three movies of in recent memory that I would recommend because they they all take hard left turns or right turns depending on which way you're looking, and they they own it. They, they don't go back. They don't go, it was just a dream the whole time. Or they go, what do you think? What do you think happened? They, they flip the script and they make you really question what you're watching. But then basically, like, no, this is what it is now. There's another movie coming out. I don't even want to say the name of it. I saw an early screening for it. And a lot of people seem really excited about it. But it does that same thing. Where Hotel take, Transylvania 3. Yeah, okay, there it is. There wasn't even a cruise. <laughs> Sorry, did it, what uh, did it do? Well, no, no, I'm saying it does that thing. Where it backed there, out. There's, well, no, no. Well, there's a moment movie and it goes this one way. But then it just, it sort of lightly is, mm. is, they're just sort of like, well, this is kind of a thing. Like, isn't it absurd? And we're like, what the fuck? No, you you went a hard, hard, you own it. You go that way. You you changed the, the tone of the movie. But no, you you kept with it. And that was bad. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll tell you what it is after it comes out. It's still, uh, it's still a ways away. So Lawrence I really and I, um, we talked about Identity, the John Cusack movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it, yeah. If you want to bring it back to multiple per, or dis- disassociative identity disorder, that is that is definitely one where that is the villain or it is the framing device. That's a big yeah. spoiler. 
But uh, I mean, the movie's like it's, 15 it's, fucking yeah, years yeah. old. It's also, really good, though. Because it <laughs> well, opens like a slasher. It misdirects you. It's, it's yeah. generally considered to be bad. Just it so is. you know, it's, just it's so you don't walk into time. a conversation. I went to the theaters and I enjoyed it. I didn't pay yeah. to see it. But, but I don't see what there's to dislike about it. Post mortem, people send, tend to think it's bad. People but, have told me it's bad. I remember enjoying it, um, but I also enjoyed it around the same time I thought Boondock Saints was cool. So. Take that with a That was during my Bowfinger years, and I still maintain that's a great movie. Bowfinger's oh, great. Bowfinger, movie. Bowfinger. Yeah. No one, no Bowfinger just Bowfinger. came out, and then no one saw it. But Ergo, it was is you know what? People didn't. I think maybe it's Bullworth that oh, you're, you're thinking, thinking of. Bullworth. I think people Absolutely loved not. Bullworth. That's the Warren Beatty one. No, <laughs> I never one. saw it all the way through. I just know what happens at the end. I just I know get a superstar music video. That's a great song. Anyway, so that about brings us to the end of our discussion about Hereditary. I'm going to ask uh, you guys behind me, mm-hmm. um, if you have one or not, I'm, I'm kind of springing this on you, if you have a recommendation for what you would consider elevated horror <laughs> uh, for our audience, if you want to give them uh, a fun movie they can watch this weekend, uh, if they've already seen Hereditary. I got um, one. And while yeah, you're thinking about someone. it, I'm going to do this little okay. ad read. So uh, I want to let you guys know this episode of Filmhouse is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Every man uh, sitting here today is wearing some nice Mac Weldon underwear. We work out in them. We play in them. We t- wrestle. You know, it's I what do, guys actually. do. I actually do. Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. I wear mine to bed. James wears his shorts on the weekends. They are insanely comfortable. Do you have any new additions to your wardrobe, Lawrence? Uh, just I'm I'm just shoving. Basically, I pack underwear on top, and when the drawer doesn't close, I pull the bottom layer out. Mm-hmm. And now it's basically all Mac Weldon underwear. There you so go. I've I've revamped my entire underwear drawer. I'm I'm letting my other underwear die slow deaths. <laughs> As Mac Weldon is taking over. Nail him to the wall. Yeah. Uh, the they also have a, a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor, and that's fantastic. So not only does Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, shirts look good, and they perform very well. I've talked about this before. We work out in them. They're so nice. They're great. Um, I do want to let you guys know, though, uh, Mac Weldon uh, wants to let you know that if you do not like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you. No questions asked. That's right. They want you to be comfy. So uh, please go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using our promo code FILM. That's MacWeldon.com, F-I-L-M. That's the promo code. Use it. Uh, there should be a link in the description. We'll make sure it's the correct one this time because there was a weird uh, little copy-paste problem last time, but we'll make sure we get it right. So please do that. You support them, support the show. It's all fantastic. We can talk about movies. Let's get to some recommendations. Who wants to go first? I got one. What do you got? The Ritual. Uh, it is on American Netflix, but it is a British film about a bunch of friends that go for like a, I think it's like an annual or biannual. It's a bunch of friends get back together to go for a hike Because their friend died, right? So they're sort of commemorating. Well, the, the ca- there's, it's not a catalyst really, but yeah, the, it's, it was five friends that would yeah. go on this, this hike together. And then, but ultimately this year for reasons you'll find out watching the movie, it's only four friends. And it's simil- very similar to this, where it just starts off with one one of them twists their ankle, and they're like, "Oh, great, we're in the middle of nowhere," and uh, I twist my ankle. But then from there, it kind of goes out. But it also, like Adam, you were saying, mm-hmm. when it goes to where it's gonna go, it commits. It commits fully, and uh, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. I love commitment. Who else has some commitment they want to talk about? I will commit. <laughs> um, an oldie but a goodie, El Orfanato, my man GDT, the mm. orphanage. Mm. Don't make sure you watch Guillermo del Toro's. Uh, oh, is there an American the orphanage? Movie? I mean, there. I think there's well, just there are other horror it. movies. Oh. He produced it, yeah. but 
Um, it's it's good. It's, okay. it's great. Oh god, man! I saw that in theaters. Came home to my. It was my friend and I over Christmas break. We thought we were the only ones in our apartment. We went and saw the orphanage. Like that was really good. And we came back, and the, all the lights were on in our in our apartment, and the door was ajar. Uh, and we we're like, "What the fuck?" Fun. And maybe I'll tell you what happened next. Time. <laughs> uh, Lawrence, got any recommendations? Yeah, because I'm that kind of dork. I'm gonna say Silent Hill: Shattered Memories. If you can get it. Um, this movie is actually very Silent Hill, and yeah. then it is very theater of the mind, and then ends in literal demons. Uh, cool. Shattered Memories is specifically that as well, and it also has strong like parental themes and how that stuff all plays out in the game. Games written by Sam Barlow that wrote her story. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if you hmm. like her story, the crossover is huge. <laughs> it's, it's literally you. I just uh, I don't know how one could find and play that game now, but try it because it's beautiful. You'll find a way. Everyone wants it. Uh, and I'll throw one out there. Um, it's a it's a bit of an older one now, but it's still a goodie. Uh, the Descent. Oh yeah. Group of uh, friends go uh, spelunking, and it uh, takes a turn for the worse. Uh, that is a that is a movie that still frightens me to this day. I Which version should we watch? What do you mean? El Descento. The uh, the uh, the American was it rele- American? the the American theatrical release or the original UK edit or whatever. Oh yeah, there's just one change in the ending. I don't know. I don't know. Super good. Yeah, I, uh, I thought the movie was fine regardless. Someone all. should make a horror movie where it just gets better. Where life gets <laughs> better. Yeah, it just starts out real bad, but then it just gets better. <laughs> That's not a horror movie. Uh, so thank you guys for listening or watching. Uh, be sure to subscribe uh, on iTunes or Android, however you choose to listen to this podcast. It always helps us out. It gets our numbers up, and the numbers are good. So please uh, please do that. And uh, if you like the show, just let us know, please. And if you hate it, why'd you hate it? Please tell me. So thanks for listening and watching, however you chose to do it. Thank you guys for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Mac Weldon, for sponsoring this podcast. And uh, enjoy... Jurassic World this weekend, guys. <laughs> Do you think Payman was trying to get into that pigeon? Is that why she cut off the head? Huh. He was like, put me in the pigeon! Is <laughs> <laughs> a male pigeon? Yeah. Uh, she's like, I can't get these Payman off my brain. We'll see you next week.